Hello and welcome to One for the Books. I'm Jacinta. And I'm Emma. We're a book podcast for everyone with love reading or your idea of a book is a glossy mag. We have recommendations to kickstart your book club. Equal part book club, ultimate breakfast, and catch up with your friends. Welcome. Oh my god, this is the first time we've recorded in person for so long. It feels very weird, doesn't it? I'm seeing your face (laughs) as we're recording. This is the first time that's (laughs) happened in a really long time. There's only 10 minutes of tech issues. (laughs) Which is probably a new personal best for us, to be honest. Exactly. We were snappy. It's better. We're not fighting off Zooms and dying computers. Oh, and like Australia's terrible internet getting in the way. Oh my god, that doesn't help. Yeah, but <laughs> excited for this episode as per usual. Um, well, this is because it's been a long time coming. So last year I was getting like super. Shut up! You're already laughing at me. Um, I was getting super organized for the um, social media. But like normally your organization is perfect. On like, point. Like I'm a type A yeah. OCD level kind of. Like nothing of this organized. would happen. <laughs> If it wasn't for Emma, because I'm useless. (laughs) Emma's the backbone. (laughs) No, but I was putting together social media and I was feeling really inspired one day and I was like, oh my God, we have to do an International Women's Day special. I mean, what a day. What a day. Big day. Love the day. It's great. Um, So I went away and like designed all of these stories and (laughs) feed posts for social media and then went to schedule them. I was like, wait... Wait, when? So this was in April, I think. <laughs> we just had missed it we by like We just a... missed the window. But in my that. head, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's the 8th of May. It's fine. It's the 8th of May. I was two months ahead. Like. And then, yeah, and then we, I went to schedule it and I had to Google it and realise very quickly that uh, we'd missed the boat and I'd completely got the dates wrong. So then we were like 14 months prepared for we it like, like we were so unprepared we're so excited for this like it's gonna be so great we've got some great social media to handle i actually should probably recheck what i've done because i ended up just scheduling it <laughs> at the time to be for like 2022 yeah. and I was like, i don't know what i did i don't know what i designed up i don't know what i've written actually yeah it's all gonna, gonna be shit it's gonna be a surprise for you it's gonna be a yeah. surprise for her but then we'll see it be like really <laughs> like we waited a year to see this and now we're building it up a bit too Yeah, much. like, don't expect much. It's just going to be, like, quite generic. But at the time, I was very excited and I felt like it took me a while to, like, put it I know. Together. Your face, it was so genuine. You were so excited to do it. I and know. then the moment you realised it was not the date that we thought. And yeah. we had actually probably missed it by a week or something. Yeah, it was, like, so <laughs> close to missing it. And, like, what a loser. <laughs> For just, I did all of it before I checked. Like, why wouldn't I check first? That is hopefully the lesson I've learned from that. Just going on instinct. It was the 8th of May. No questions I was like, it's an M month. Same, same. They're like a hop, skip and a drum. That feels like the calendar's problem. That's not your problem. (laughs) I love the way outsourcing the blame to the calendar. Yeah, it's never never our fault. It's never me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, so we're doing International Women's Day special episode 
purely because we'd already <laughs> done the social media a year ago. Um, it also feels very on brand for us. And I mean, I'm excited about this. Definitely. Like, none of th- this feels like a chore to yeah. sit down and think about books written by women. Yeah, celebrate or great women. people that identify, like, anyone that identifies as a woman. All right, so should we dive in? You always go first, and I feel like that works well. What is your yeah. first book that you're recommending? Okay, I'm going to rip off the band-aid. Get it over and done with. So I kind of thought about my favourite female authors. Yeah. Two heavyweights in my life. Oh, God, I feel like I know. <laughs> is this going to be a fucking Nora Ephron book? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> also, even if it was. Your indignant face <laughs> of me asking that question. I think it's probably a step worse. Um, I'm going to talk about Eleanor Ferrante. Oh, fuck. But, no, I feel like Eleanor Ferrante, I understand that I am in the minority. I feel okay. like this is one where yeah. I'm very okay with the fact that I'm the weird one in this situation. <laughs> well, it's the book that you <gasps> gave me. Yay! Was it good? It was incredible. Yay! And, like, for her to still be producing great works that still, like, can blow me away, even though... They're kind of, they're touching on similar themes and that kind of stuff. I think it's just a skill in itself. So I'm 100%. celebrating Eleanor Ferrante, who's one of my favourite female authors. <laughs> I think that like, this is perfect. And also, can I just say, mm-hmm. given that we have discussed Sally Rooney's new book at the end of last year in an episode, and we both felt that it was a little bit underwhelming mm-hmm. compared to her previous works, yeah. I feel like this just highlights what a phenomenal author yeah. Eleanor Ferrante must be that even though she's covering similar ground or it's like thematically similar, yeah. she's still finding ways to make it feel fresh and new and exciting. Yeah, That's such an incredible talent. I think that we've talked about how much the Neapolitan novels mean to me mm-hmm. in that I can't handle any criticism about them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My brilliant friend. But when The Lying Life of Adults came out, I was nervous. Am I going to like this as oh, much? Yeah. But like I really did. Oh. So it's kind of contained in the one book. It's not like a series. Okay. So maybe this might be a bit more digestible for okay. you. Okay. But like all Eleanor Ferrante novels, or most of them, they're set in and around Naples. But unlike the Neapolitan novels, this is set in the mid-90s. Oh, so very different era. Yeah, very different. So it follows the space of like a couple years in Giovanna, the protagonist's adolescence, so like 13 to 16. So it really does cover... sort of a coming of age and Mm. more to the point seeing your parents as humans like fallible first experience during that sort of those teen years i think where a you've got angsty hormones like roiling around your body but also the concept of understanding your human your parents are human they make mistakes and they're not these invincible creatures that'll be there forever you're not going to put them up on a pedestal exactly and i think everybody kind of experiences that whether it's like a cataclysmic event that happens or you kind of eventually it all unravels yeah so that's what she and then you're like oh they're a shit show too exactly (laughs) which is which is both heartbreaking but also you kind of find solace in it as well there is something comforting yeah there's a confusing emotion to it because i think it signifies that um changing of the relationship like you go from being completely dependent on them and it's that sense of your independence starting to filter Mm. through that you finally start to separate your identity from theirs yes and i think it's all yeah it's all about and like identity as well that's so true what a complicated time. So, right for like 
for like novels and things. Oh yeah, yeah. But so this book navigates her dealing with family feuds and obviously the illusions you have of your parents, mm. which is obviously a really fascinating moment in most people's lives. But also what I found interesting about this book, I feel like personally I read a lot of books that are almost about upward mobility. Like okay. someone coming from like more poverty, yes. like trying to strive for a better life. Which to be fair is like most books. Yeah, which I think is more common. Yeah. But this was actually, she was born into a very like liberal academic family oh. and she's kind of exposed to this other side of her, her family which she was hidden from a lot and they're more poverty stricken, they're a lot more brazen, they're not as educated. So it's her exploring that side of herself as well. Which was really fascinating, I thought. This sounds really... This genuinely sounds like a book I'd enjoy yeah. reading. Yeah. So her, this side of her family was kind of... She's always fed lies and, like... But then she kind of seeks them out herself and discovers this whole kind of other world that she's been hidden from. Love this. So which is quite interesting. Yeah. And then it's played with her kind of growing up, sex mm. and boys and, like, her friendships changing as well. Which is very, like, on brand for yeah. Elena Ferrante. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've got all those hallmarks. Mm. I mean, it definitely has all that like moody can be quite dark at times you kind of don't I love know what's that in a book though coming around the corner yeah mm. like it's not exactly a happy book or anything <laughs> classic Eleanor from yeah it's like that's also quite on brand <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> there'll be like moments of like where characters will just like come to life or yeah which I think is just skilled at totally endlessly. so yeah this is this was probably like I mentioned now last episode one of my favorite books I read Oh, yeah, so thank Aww. you for giving me that. I mean, I figured I could do no wrong if I was buying you something Eleanor Ferrante related. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think if, you're, if you've been wanting to get into her, maybe found her a bit inaccessible. Like, obviously, I have a connection with the place and the time, so obviously that culturally is important to me. But I think... This is a good entryway. But her work clearly transcends totally. personal connection because totally. they would not be as phenomenally successful as they are if she didn't. Like yeah, her work exactly. clearly resonates with people around the world. Yeah. This one is a bit more melodramatic. There's a lot more of twists and turns. Maybe that's what I need. I need like telenovela yeah. level drama <laughs> in my books. <laughs> Some like actual like yeah. calamity. Love it. <laughs> So yeah, I really love this book and I love Eleanor Fronte and I can't say enough things about it. You probably are like, oh, that's what she's talking about again. But I recommend The Lying Life of Adults by Eleanor Fronte. So good. All right, I'm genuinely going to add it to my list. I would be very Long term list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mainly because my list is insane. Um, yeah. uh, that's such a good way to kick off the podcast. I feel like that's such a good recommendation. I'm very interested because you had to cut down a lot of your options. I mean, classic me, I came into this episode being like, I have four books to recommend. <laughs> but this also also like a topic where, I yeah. mean, and it's, it was we so everyone, women writers, yeah. they're the best. And I mostly read female writers, if I'm totally. being honest. Exactly. Plus, we kept the theme so open-ended that it almost made it trickier. Like, normally when they're quite niche, yeah. it makes it easier to narrow down, whereas this one was like... And you could, we gave ourselves the task of either choosing our favourite female authors or mm. favourite female... Favourite books written by female authors yeah. because I feel like there's a big difference between those two things. And I think we've both 
went different down exactly i've got more favorite books by female authors first the authors authors themselves yeah even though i also genuinely love all of these authors anyway my first book is um shrill by lindy west what a book right what a cultural phenomenon yes it inspired the tv show starring ad bryant yes um which is amazing and the show introduced me to um, Loli Adafope, who's like amazing and yes. now one of my favorite actresses. Have you watched her Taskmaster series? Uh, her what? Her, no. Do you know the TV show Taskmaster? No. Okay. Okay, wait, I'm just That's writing gonna be a, a little... whole conversation. Okay. I'll send you the link. But basically, Lindy West, I think, is my ultimate writing crush. I think Lindy West is one of the wittiest, smartest writers of our generation. She writes regularly for like heaps of different publications. Yeah. But the book, I think, was in equal measure witty and cathartic. But it's such a good word to describe it Yeah, as. there was, it's like when you f- pick up a book and you feel seen by what you read. Ugh. That's how I felt by this book. Wow. And she managed to articulate so many things that I wished I knew how to articulate to other people. Uh-huh. And I want to be able to take passages of her book and keep them with me forever so that they're like perfect rebuttals for any time someone tries to bring something up that you disagree (laughs) with in these contexts and be like, no, this is where you're wrong. It feels like a friend. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the highest compliment you can ever pay a memoir is feeling like you're talking to a friend in your own head. (laughs) Yeah. Because obviously you're reading it and not actually having a conversation. Yeah. Um, But it basically takes on... A bit of everything, but toxic misogyny and fat shaming, I would say, are two of the biggest kind of yeah. parts of the book. And But it's this brilliant... She manages to have you laughing out loud and crying mm. and also inspiring you to be like, yes, I mm. want change and I yeah. want to do things and take action. It's yeah. this incredible ability to weave all of that together through her own stories um, well, I think, and when it came out too, like it was so fresh, it was so original. So fresh. It felt like, okay, this is what we've been waiting yes. for. Yes. Complete. I feel like it was a real turning point in the publication of nonfiction by women. Yeah, watershed moment. Yeah, and the, I think the success of that book probably paved the way for so many other books to get written because I think they saw the success of that book Ugh. and it allowed them to understand that people want to read books and it by people like, like this that. and about need, this like, yeah success to green like precedent is yeah bullshit. all the same kind of thing um yeah but she just toes the line brilliantly between vulnerability and humor mm. um and it's this great template i think of how to survive in the world and how to find your own strength that was yeah. the most inspiring part of that book was seeing her it go from, from within this really self-conscious self-critical person at the beginning because it is quite a chronological memoir. Mm. And then seeing her blossom into mm. this fierce-ass woman yeah. who is uncompromising in the best way possible about her own values and her own self-worth. Yeah. And it's like, I wish I had that. Like, <laughs> that's literally what, how it makes you feel. You're like, okay, this is possible. Maybe I can do this too. Is that annoying what she's achieved now <clears throat> yeah. as well? Just and makes also, it so much more sweeter. Right. Um, anyway, yeah, I think it is probably simultaneously one of my favourite books of all time by one of my favourite authors and writers of all yes. time. So it's sort of like the perfect combination of things for this theme. Even the title, like it's oh. so evocative and it just yeah. cap- 
like encapsulates it yeah. so well. Yeah, and the cover design, I, I still love it years later, which is quite rare. I think mm. cov- like book covers can be quite fashionable and go through trends. Yeah, and sometimes you look back at it, shit, this is still iconic. <laughs> and also it inspired one of my favourite TV shows of all time. I so mean, it's we've just... got to mention the TV show as well. Oh, you have to, if you haven't watched the TV Worth show, it. please, please, please do it. There's only three seasons. And I'm still so sad that there are not more. I still get really the upset <laughs> there's no more it's episodes and seasons. And Lindy West was very involved in that too. Which I think well. is probably a credit to her that it was as good as it was because oh I gosh. can't imagine she would have been the kind of person to let anything slide that wouldn't, yeah. you know, that she wouldn't tolerate or want to watch in a show. singular voice that yeah. to see it reflected mm-hmm. is really satisfying. Mm-hmm. My God, I love Shrill. That's such a good yeah. one. So Shrill by Lindy West. Everyone should read it. Yes. Yeah. Second that. 100%. Yeah. Um, what is your second book? So when I think of female authors that I love, work I think has been exceptional. So many authors now that I'm immediately running through my head being like, is she going to say this person or this I person? I don't think I've talked about this <gasps> one ever. Okay, because I was half imagining Joan Didion. I mean, she's up there. She's Iconic, up there. but we've, I guess we've both separately talked about her Yeah, totally. And thanks to you, I feel like I've read more of her work. Anyway. Proud, proud. Um, well, it's Zadie Smith. Oh my god, yeah, iconic. Fuck, like one of the most iconic contemporary female authors I of mean, all time. Yeah, broke through so many Oof. walls. Intersection is, of that. Oh, I mean, as a writer, just like as a singular talent, yeah. incredible. And also one of those, she has such an iconic voice and tone and style that is pretty unmatched. Like, mo- it's very unique to her, and I feel totally. like you can tell immediately when you're reading something that's by Zadie Smith. I agree. So yeah. I feel like we haven't talked about her much. No. But she's one of my favourites and all her books are incredible. I've only read two or three of her books, I think. Okay. Well, the one I always come back to is NW. So it stands for Northwest and it's named after the it. borough in London that it's set. Oh, that is legitimately one of the few Zadie Smiths I haven't read. Um, it's. I think it's my favourite. Okay. Yeah, so... She tackles everything in it. She follows four different people. And I think I've been exposed to so many books of that ilk. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been if Zadie Smith didn't pave the way. Yeah. And she wasn't so celebrated and she wasn't so great. So I feel like my little, like, corner of the world has been blessed by so much, like, originality. Lovely way of, of like... (laughs) <laughs> describing her influence. That's so wholesome. I I say I always call it Northwest, but it's probably said NW. Okay. So get on NW. <clears throat> okay. So the book obviously is named after for the London borough that's based in. That's also where she grew up, so she like Amazing. knows it to a T. Yeah, intimate for her. Yeah, and so it traverses the everyday lives of four very different people. Two particular ones, so they're um, childhood best friends, Leah and Natalie, who used to be called Keisha. Um, okay. And these four people all grew up in the same council estate, mm-hmm. and their lives have turned out all very differently. So it's really interesting following their lives in just this snapshot of daily, everyday life. There's some similarities to swing time in my mind. Yeah, like the two With dance, that, like, yeah. you know, going through the ages and how they've grown up and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like people with like deep roots in a particular spot, yeah. but then they've kind of ended up in completely different ways. So it oh. asks the question of why did we end up where we did? 
Is it down to luck? Oh is it down God. to hard work? So they're all kind of grappling with different glories. Mm. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Some big, big themes and topics to be tackling. Exactly. And then yeah. it tackles a lot of class. It tackles a lot of race. Which I think she's fabulous for. Oh. Her books, that intersection that she brings to yeah. the themes around race and privilege and class. Oh. I think she speaks to that and talks about it in a way that so few authors do. Like, she does it, yeah, um, in such a good way. Yeah, and in such a, like, a sparkly, like, snappy dialogue yeah. kind of way that's so digestible but still kind of can pack a punch. Yeah, and in a way that, like, you didn't have to have, like, you know, neither of us grew up in London yeah. in a council estate area, yes. but it's still, she manages to make it feel relatable or understandable but snappy and great character development. Completely. Like, it doesn't feel forced or, like, she's trying too hard to labour the point of what it was like mm. to have that experience. Which, like we always say, is incredible. I feel like the more Phenomenal. I read, the more I find that, place is really important for mm. me like if I feel like I'm part of that world yeah like that's what makes a really good book to me mm-hmm. and that's kind of a common theme for the books that I really love so yeah. you do really feel like sometimes you're just like walking up like a high street in like <laughs> northwest London yeah like you really do feel like you're there and I think also setting it in that particular postcode is really interesting because it there is so much inequality within like a span of five miles like there's Mm. some of the richest parts of London but then there's all the council estates and high crime rates and they're so close together and you kind of see the characters like they can just cross a road and they'll be in a completely different area with completely different types of people so she really paints that picture incredible and the way they're all kind of navigating these types of these different worlds they're inhabiting so yeah oh that sounds so good it is and uh, i mean i will just caution one thing for you okay <laughs> i feel like this is very specific to whatever my weird well, taste on is. the back of our neil young <laughs> conversation <laughs> she does write each section very differently i think it's fine if it narratively makes sense if they're okay. different characters yeah. And I think fiction, it's very different, whereas Neil Young is telling his own life. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Where are we now? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like, different like, yeah. parts paint a different picture yeah. of the, but then either the person or the area at the of end, the city. Yeah. yeah. And the way they kind of... Overlap? Kind of, yeah, overlap is, is really interesting. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands again. <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, each section is written in a different style, which I think is was also so fascinating. Mm. And yeah. Kind of, and for me, it kept me engrossed as well. Yeah. Because you do really feel like you're in that area. Mm. So, yeah, I um, I love NW by Zadie Smith. I think it's a good jumping off point, again, if you want to get into her work. Mm. Either White Teeth or NW, I think. The concept that Place is almost that extra character in her books. Yes. Like, she does the character development of Place yes. really well when other people... I think other authors sometimes treat it as this secondary superfluous part of a book, but to treat it as almost its own character is so important in that world building component you were talking about before. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets in front of that, like by calling the book NW. Yeah. So so true. From the start, you kind of know what this is going to be about. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love this book. I love this world. It can be dark at times. It can be funny. It can be heartbreaking, but all in all, a glad you went on the ride. So, yeah. N.W. by Zadie Smith. I think everyone should at least read one Zadie Smith novel. I feel like we've talked about some really phenomenal authors so far. I mean, we the just say that? is, like, right like up there. I high. I know, right? 
She's amazing. I love everything she does. And like you say, it paved the way for so many other I really do books think... that we've probably talked about on this podcast. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting she is an iconic writer of colour. And I think, you know, that would have been incredibly difficult to get published as a first-time woman of colour writer. Mm. So I think she paved away for so many women and yeah. also women of colour who have now got writing careers. Yeah. She proved how successful and, um, you know, how much it sells. Yeah, again, a trailblazer. Yeah, 100%, such a good word. <laughs> mm. So yeah, Zadie Smith, go check her out. <clears throat> what about your last one? Are we going to keep up with the... I would say the calibre, but, like, this is a new women. author. Ooh. Um, so we're, we're, maybe we're predicting some big I things for this author. I think so, but it's non-fiction, so I think you were blown away when oh. I just said that all of my <laughs> book picks for today were non-fiction. Um, but this is a new one. It, um, the author recently won the 2022 Victorian Premier's Prize for Literature and also the Award for Indigenous Writing. Oh, that's big. Um, yeah, so her the book is Black and Blue, a memoir of racism and resistance by Veronica Gorey. Like, it's a memoir of her childhood and the decade she spent working in the Victorian police force. Oh, Black and Blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess she joined trying to fight just like fight for justice within the police force. Yeah. Um, so she's a proud Gunai Gurnai woman. <clears throat> she grew up, um, yeah, with a fierce sense of justice, which is why she chose to join the Victorian police. Um, particularly after seeing so many of her friends and family like racially profiled under a oh. deeply racist law enforcement system, Completely. that sort of sparked her desire to want to make change and become one of the very few Aboriginal police officers in Australia. I was going to say, and then like a woman on top of that. Yeah, totally. Um, But it's just this really fascinating story about family, the struggles of being a single parent. Okay. And she speaks so openly and honestly about the survival tactics needed to combat colonialism as a First Nations woman. She speaks candidly about being a survivor of domestic and family violence. Okay, wow. Like, it tackles some very heavy topics. At its core, it's an unflinching look at institutional and systemic colonialism and violence wielded by the police force. Oh, wow. And to, like, pack that into a memoir. Yeah. How incredible. Because it's almost this before and after of, like, speaking of her experiences before joining the police force, but then what she witnessed when she was in the police force oh, and the racism she experienced. Yeah. layer. Yeah. But the racism she experienced at the hands of colleagues, the racial profiling she experienced when she wasn't at work and getting profiled. I mean, this isn't a spoiler, but she left the police force. Oh, so she actually yeah, leaves it. Yeah, so she was, I think, a police officer for 10 years-ish. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and she was, like, very good at her job, like, incredibly talented, yeah. like, incredibly good at getting through to people that would maybe otherwise be quite um, disempowered and disenchanted with the police force mm-hmm. for very justifiable reasons. Totally. This was just really to the point, like, in the best, most accessible way possible and like when you're dealing with that kind of subject matter yeah I can imagine that's kind of almost a relief yeah like you just want to kind of her to get to the point because it is yeah but it just makes it even more obvious I think because she is straight to the point and it is just so you can't hide from it exactly it's just so open about Mm. what 
the experiences of the First Nations people in Australia yeah. are particularly at the hands of the police force, you exactly. know, particularly with the backdrop of deaths in custody and, yeah. you know, lack of accountability and racial profile, like, you know, and high incarceration rates. I think Aboriginal Australians are the most incarcerated nation, like, peoples in the world per capita, which is you telling me absolute that. insanity. So, yeah, I think that this is, like, a must-read. I feel like books like this need to be compulsory reading wow. for everyone in Australia, yeah. particularly if you're white. <laughs> I feel like we're the people that need to read these kinds of books because we're the people that can easily switch off and easily turn a blind eye and look the other mm. way and not have to engage with any of this because we never have to live it. Yeah. To get you to question what you can do in both your personal and professional life Um, to confront racism yeah you know because I think she lived her actions like she tried so hard to make a difference and that was what inspired her and I feel like so many of us just cruise through and don't think about what we can be doing to make change also to be to want to change such systemic issues from Mm. the inside like that's quite noble but to then see it's so bad and it's not working for you, like your own yeah. kind of personal yeah. situation is so incredibly heartbreaking, but also a complete indictment on the system itself. 100%. I think like, it, that's such a red flag. Right? Like it shows how systemic it is that and how high up it goes. It yeah. is like every layer of the judiciary yeah. and law enforcement sectors in the country. Like, I mean, the entire country is founded on that effectively anyway, but... Mm. You know, yeah, it's built into every layer of this country. So I think, you know, she was up against an impossible task in some ways as a single person. But it's, yeah, it's just a really amazing book. So, yeah. She sounds phenomenal. She sounds beyond. Honestly phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What Um, state did she serve in? Victoria. But, like, the book sort of traverses between Victoria and Queensland as sort of the main two areas that she had experience Wow. Mm. So, yeah, that's Black and Blue, A Memoir of Racism and Resistance by Veronica Gorey. And then can I just quickly, like, mention my third book, but I won't give my whole spiel. (laughs) Um, If you haven't read it, um, it's The Wonder Down Under, A User's Guide to the Vagina by Nina Brockman and Ellen Stockendahl. Oh, my God. What a title. It came out in maybe 2018-ish, I think. Okay, yeah. But they were basically med students in Norway, I'm pretty sure, and the book sold out in three days in Norway, the initial print run, and then it got snapped up um, by other countries and in other languages. But it is effectively a, like, 101 of the vagina. I mean... (laughs) And it just goes where sex ed failed to go. I mean, we all need that. Yeah, and it covers everything. So they talk about everything from, like, the clitoris to contraception to cervical cancer. Like, they... It's sexual health in Um. general, and it is so interesting. They break down the different types of contraception, how they came to be, what you need to think about. Like, they just... It is honestly, like, this handy guide that I think everyone that has a vagina should read. I love this rap. Yeah. So good. (laughs) And I feel like it's very appropriate for International Women's Day. We all deserve to know about our own bodies and how they work. Exactly. Yeah. And the cover is like, yeah, it's great. It's just like a woman's body, and it, yeah, it's fab. Oh my god, so into it. So also, you probably can't read this kind of book on like public transport without people understanding that it's 
got vaginas in it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, do it. Yeah, but also Stand do it. But like, ground. you know, just a fair warning that this is not um, a book for feeling shy and introverted <laughs> on public transport or in public spaces because yeah. it's not going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our version of like leaning in. Yeah, it's like what the it. resistance would want. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly, truly. We're all living we're yeah. all living it. <laughs> I'll shut up now. Um, what a great what list. are you recommending outside of books? Okay, this is super random. I'm so intrigued. <laughs> this is a random one. Okay. It's a TV show on ABC iView called Fake or Fortune. So it's, I feel like I don't even remember how I came across this, but I've literally binged all nine seasons of this show, like, in the last couple of weeks. Did you say nine seasons? (laughs) Yeah, but there's, like, five or six episodes each, so it's... Okay. I mean, it's still still ridiculous, and the fact that I've become obsessed with it. So it's a show that follows an art dealer, an art historian, and a journalist. And what they're trying to do is investigate pieces of art... And this sounds so familiar. Yeah, I think someone it's... else has recommended this. Sorry, I didn't mean oh, to completely really? cut you off. As soon as you started describing, <laughs> I was like, I've heard of this before. No, like, it's basically they're trying to find out if they can attribute certain artists to works of art. They tackle like really famous artists like Picasso, um, Monet, Van Dyke, Lowry, and they try and find out the provenance of the picture. So they go through this like investigation through like family history and like who's had the painting. It's fascinating i've like completely loved this and i've just binged every single episode i loved it so much it sounds so interesting yeah my favorite one was like a farmer who brought this random painting on ebay for like 20 pounds or something and they did all these tests on it and they investigated it who owned it previously and like x-rayed it and it ended up being like hundreds of thousands of dollars it was actually worth that much <laughs> like it was an original and he yeah. randomly bought it off ebay exactly yeah you know what this show effectively is mm-hmm. it's like a bougie updated version of antiques roadshows <laughs> it, it literally is antiques <laughs> <laughs> like as you said that i was like wait this concept sounds too familiar. Well, uh, we've been here before. It's Antiques Roadshow, surely. One of the episodes is actually based on an Antiques Roadshow episode. No, so that's so good. It's of the same ilk, yeah. Oh, and, like, as yeah, someone yeah. who knows nothing about art or the art world, I don't know why. It just it just was, became so addicting. And, yeah, it's, it's all on iView, so watch it if you... If you want, that's pretty much all I've been consuming. <laughs> I love that you just went really niche and you just committed. So niche. I was like, what else? I mean, there's literally nothing else I can talk about because that's all I've been watching. <laughs> oh, that is like my favourite thing ever that you're recommending. How about you? I have a TED Talk to recommend. Hello. Um, that I only watched today, actually. Oh. Um, have you you've listened to the podcast Song Exploder, right? I love Song Exploder, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's a TED talk by Rishikesh Herway, who's the host of Song Exploder. Yes, we love and him, don't we? He's amazing and his voice is to die for. <laughs> um but I actually found out about this because I listened to the podcast he does with Samin Nozrat, who I'm also obsessed with. Oh my god. Um called Home Cooking that they started yes. in twenty twenty as part of the one. pandemic and I mean it's worth 
listening to anything Samine does primarily because she has the best laugh in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a musician in his own right and he released a new song recently um, and I guess the TED Talk sort of revolves around that but it's this really beautiful meditation on um, the way to listen, like he listens to music and the genesis of how he came to create Song Exploder. Oh, wow. Um, and how he has started using the same skills um, to listen to people in a really active way. Interesting. Um, but it's this also like really heartbreaking peek behind the curtains into the making of this new song. Um, like he, t- I don't know if he talks about it or much else, but on Home Cooking he talks about how his mum passed away really, really suddenly last year. Oh, yeah. Um, and the new song is sort of a, a part of his grieving process, I think. Um, wow. But it's just really, really beautiful and he describes conversations and music as um I guess a house to be built almost and oh that's a beautiful metaphor I think it's only about 10 minutes of him speaking and explaining that process and I think the last five minutes is him actually playing the song beginning to end oh wow so it's kind of an episode of song exploder in itself totally but it's like his own and it's meta song exploder because he's talking about how he came to create song exploder oh my gosh yes oh my god that's fascinating I'm getting on that straight away oh my god I love this yeah so Thank good. You. Oh. oh my gosh, I loved this one. This was such a fun episode. I was actually nervous because I was like, I don't know what fucking books I picked. Like, yeah, we left good? it so wide open. Yeah. yeah. But like iconic authors. Yes. Except for my little curveball at the end. No, but I think that's Still iconic, but like new iconic. Yeah, lifting up. Like, right? Lesser known Here's lines. some new people to read. Oh my gosh, mm. yes. No, I loved all of your picks. Oh, and your little yours. bonus ones as well. Well. <laughs> Perfect for International Women's Day. Yeah. Learn about the vagina. <laughs> Stand to your ground. Uh, I think that's a perfect way to end International uh, Women's Day. Yeah, totally. Vagina is perfect ending. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, like always, tell us if you have any female authors, yes. books by women that you think we should be reading or know about. Obviously, there are a bajillion, and this was a very, very, very small sample of yeah. some of our favourite books and authors, I think. Like we said, we threw this net really wide. Yeah. So we want to know what your favourite, either favourite yes. books or favourite authors are. Yes. We're always always looking for new books. Yeah. Um, Great women. Even writers. though we have plenty to read already, but like, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, happy International Women's Day, finally, 14 months oh, after I made. You, you do got not understand ready. how satisfying <laughs> it is to be able to say it's that. Really happy International <laughs> Women's Day. Um, and happy reading on Happy International Women's Day. Yeah, yeah. Take some time to yourself. Yeah. Self care, books, and support female authors. You know, buy those books by female authors, Love particularly it. women of color. Agreed. Got Yeah, exactly. There's no shortage of great books by women. Mm -hmm.